0: Hi everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks so much for joining me on Seek Up, the yoga inspiration show. I am so grateful for you and grateful to you for tuning in and sharing this journey with me. I am overwhelmed with how many people come up to me and say that they're really enjoying this type of communication, teaching and sharing. So thank you so much for being a part of this journey of yoga, this journey of spirituality, this journey of mindfulness, this journey of seeking wisdom. More than anything else, this is meant to support the seeker's journey, meant to support you on the path. If you find this series of teaching really beneficial, the way that you can support this series is to become a member of the OMSTARS yoga community and practice. We have decided to make this series free and available to everyone so that no matter where you are in the world, you can get the teachings that will hopefully provide sustenance for the seeker's journey. And for those of you that can become a member and give your support, please know that I appreciate it. And I'll see you on the mat real soon. Welcome. And uh, thanks, Joe, for coming on and having this uh, live chat with me and the whole Omstars family. I'm looking forward to diving into everything with you.
1: Yes, me too. It's been so long since I last met you in Singapore maybe seven,
0: eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're going to look forward to seeing you again very soon, but not in Singapore, huh?
1: Yes, it's my turn to get to Miami this time. <laughs> I'm looking forward because I understand you have a new studio there. Not yes. new anymore. How, how how many years now?
0: No, it's still new. Just like a year and a half. It still feels very okay. new. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Awesome. Looking yeah. forward.
0: Yeah. So um, for everyone who's joining, welcome. I'm um, uh, really excited to share this time um, with Jofi, who is a, a, a good friend of mine and also one of the world's top trainers in yin yoga. So I think we'll dive into all the details of the upcoming training uh, soon. But uh, Joe, I'd love first for you to introduce yourself to everyone and tell them how you found yin yoga and how you started to bring um, your unique teachings to the trainings that you offer and, you know, how you find,
1: found your way in the world to where you are now. Wow. Um you know, I share this background, this story, uh, in one segment of my teacher training, and I must say this is one of the m- most interesting lecture that um, all students always enjoy, um, mainly because they, they get to listen to the history of how yin yoga becomes where it is today right now. I... I had my first experience of an actual yin yoga class, the Paul Greeley, who is the founder of yin yoga and my teacher, Um, his style of yoga in 2005, when one of his senior student from San Francisco came down to Singapore to teach a yin yoga workshop. I attended that class and, you know, I started my yoga journey in 2000 and I was, um, actually an ashtangi, you know, I was just like doing my soul every day and I love my Ashtanga practice. So, uh, the bulk or rather the majority of my yoga practice was just mainly the young, stronger, dynamic style practice, which is Ashtanga yoga. And, So, I went to this workshop and I thought, well, you know, I'm an Ashtangi. This can't be difficult. You know, it's just simple stretching and it's floor poses. So, I went in and it was a two hour workshop. And I must confess that was, even up to today, that was like the most painful yoga class I have ever attended. Even though I had a really strong Ashtanga practice at that time, I couldn't sustain. A simple floor postures for three to five minutes. Every pose was just very painful for me physically, Um, mentally, obviously that was um, more suffering because you're staying still and no one was speaking much. Because At that time, very little was known or spoken of about what exactly we're doing in yin yoga, So the teacher was mostly quiet. I just knew that I had to stay, not necessarily, why? Why can't we just go on to the next posture? And every minute that passed by was just a torture. And the mind at that time was just waiting for, when is the time going to be up? When is the time going to be up? So that was my first exposure. And it was because of that, that got me so curious about what exactly is Yin Yoga, and why do we have to stay in four postures for so long? Why can't we move? And most important would be, what are the benefits of staying here for five minutes instead of, you know, in my Ashtanga, I'm I'm usually just there for five breaths and we move on. So I decided to investigate a little deeper, and that's how I got to get to my teacher. Uh, Paul so I went to the US to study with him and at that time yin was still unheard of and very few people would practice yin I, I never even heard of Paul's name <laughs> I didn't know who he was and I, I just didn't know okay that this style of yoga called yin yoga and had never heard of Paul really so when I went to visit him and did a training with him and learned a little more about what this practice is. Then I began to come back home. And then this was now 2007, uh, 2006. I began to introduce it to my local community here in Singapore. And being so new, obviously um, nobody had heard of Yen at that time. It was a struggle. It was a struggle for me as a, number one, a, a new teacher, introducing a new style in a way a new style of yoga to a community that has never practiced um, yoga this way so it took me many years i would say i i spent a good amount a good 10 years at least of my uh, yoga journey as a teacher just teaching public classes and i guess the rest is history now and Yin really started to i would say have a boomer um, only in the recent, I would say, maybe seven or eight years when things started to take off. You know, obviously, you know, teaching public classes for 10 years. Then I spent the next 10 years um, traveling around the world training teachers. And some of Paul's uh, senior teachers were also training other teachers. So as small teachers start to teach yin around the world, I guess that's when um, more students would have access um, to this style of practice. I wouldn't say that yin is a new style of practice. In fact, I, I would say all yogis, anybody who practice yoga is already practicing yin because you know, every time we come into floor postures, you know it is yin compared to the standing postures, which are more yang. The only difference is obviously maybe in the Shtanga sequence or in Hatha yoga, we would just stay in these floor postures for maybe five to ten breaths. The only exception in yin is we stay a little longer, but I would still consider all the floor postures that you know we practice in the other styles of yoga. To me, they are already yin. So everybody would have a taste of what, you know, yin yoga is like regardless. Um the only difference obviously if you now just go or enter into a dedicated yin only yoga class, that's where you get the opportunity to marinate a little longer in these postures. That's all. So I I I I I wouldn't say this is a new style of yoga or a new creation. It's not something that we like to claim, you know, it's just a, a name that we give it, to call it yin, just for the sake of separating it from the standing postures, because we don't have standing postures uh, in our yin repertoire, that's all. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: I, would, I love your description of how you came to yin, and I think it's a testament to your um, tenacity as a human being that after that first experience of suffering and pain, both physically and mentally, that you said, let me figure out what this is. I feel that the average person who has that experience would run away and say, let me never do that again. <laughs> so I want to sort of acknowledge that, uh, that tenacity and that, that um, kind of courageous spirit within yourself. Um, the other thing that I think is important is there are perhaps many people who have never heard of or, or really never understood deeply what the difference is between yin and yang. And I was wondering if you could maybe talk about that for someone that maybe they do a really active style of yoga, whether it's Ashtanga or power vinyasa or something like that, um, but they don't really even know that there is that, like what yin and yang is, except maybe they've seen like, you know, an image on a magnet or something, but they don't really understand what the deeper meaning of that is. So just for people that are maybe newer to that concept, would you be able to unpack that a little bit Um, and maybe speak to um perhaps why it's important to balance the yang with the yin aspect so if people are only doing like power 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 where why is it important to balance that and also if it, is it important to balance the other way around you know um and and I, I think that would be just really insightful for people that might be newer to this discussion
1: yes i i have an extensive lecture on this yin and yang theory in the upcoming teacher training so I hope a lot of you will be joining us, but I'll, I'll just give a very um, quick, succinct summary to that is that the the, the terms yin and yang are basically uh, terms from Taoist philosophy, basically to just describe the two opposite but complementary polarity of the universe and in our lives. Um, but I like to equate that to the yogi terms of Hatha. Right, so you have Ha and a Ta. So we have the Yin and a Yang, and then you have the Luna and the Solar, the feminine and the masculine energy. So if I just use Yin in isolation, then I'm just in 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 the in relation to our yoga practice, then we're just referring it to something that is slower, more restorative, and more passive uh, compared to the stronger dynamic style of yoga which tends to be stronger and we tend to move a little faster and we also engage the muscles in yin yoga we relax the muscles in the other styles of yoga we're staying in postures usually for five breaths and in yin yoga we stay for five minutes in the other styles of yoga we are mostly moving transitioning from one to the next and in yin we started in the same shape for a long time. So that's a very um, simple way of describing it. But know that anything, any yoga postures, and I emphasize this all the time, any yoga postures can be yin or yang, depending on how you practice that shape. So I can use a handstand as an example. If I practice handstand balancing in the middle of the room, it is a yang pose. If I'm now doing handstand leaning against the wall, now the same handstand is a yin pose. So I could also um, practice Janusha Shastana where I engage the muscle, I flex the foot and I hold onto the foot and I pull forward more aggressively. Now that is a yang forward bend. But if I just totally relax the muscle, let my spine hang forward, I relax my arms and I'm not pulling forward. Now the same Janu Shastana is now a yin pose. So any yoga pose can be yin or yang. It depends on the context of the description and how we intend to practice that shape. That's about it. Uh, but, you know, going back to... Uh, the comment you made about finding that balance, I think that's also probably one of the reasons why I have moved from my stronger Ashtanga practice in the beginning years of my yoga journey into uh, teaching and practicing more yin. It's because I was was doing my soul every single day and after class, you know, I feel so great, uh, but I would be really exhausted in some of the days. And when I discovered it and I start to include that into my practice, I find that that is an excellent complement to my otherwise very young practice. And not just for the physical aspect of the practice, but also mental and emotional. And I would even say uh In terms of changing even my personality and my lifestyle, because I I came from a corporate life before I was a yoga teacher. So I was really very driven, very type A. And then having made the shift from being an Ashtangi to now a a, a yin, more a yin teacher and a yin practitioner, I've seen, you know, over the past two decades, a, a big shift in my personality into um, more yin as well, which is also not good because <laughs> I, I remember after my first 10 years of practicing yin, and then I started to give up my shtanga practice and I was just yin and nothing else but yin. And I find that now th- that too is uh, imbalance because now I need to go back to my yang practice, which is what I'm doing right now. I have to force myself To do yang, I always need to make a lot of effort to get on my bed and do my salute A, do my salute B. I go do bouncing classes, Zumba classes to get my juice of the yang practice. So yin and yang, they cannot and they should not exist in isolation. That's why they are complementary to each other as depicted in the Taoist symbol where you have the black and the white and it is not a perfect straight line. It is in an S curve. That means yin and yang, Shakti, Shiva, they're always having a dance. Sometimes we are more young in our lifestyle or personality. Then cocooning into a yin practice will be a perfect balance for that Or maybe sometimes there will be periods of our life where we are just so yin and we're just so down. Then go out and do a more yang practice to take yourself out of this introversion. So I think both the stronger yang style of practices and the more receptive yin meditative practice, they are such excellent tools for us as yogis to utilize them as instruments that we can use to balance our life both in and out of the mat in ways that we can be more, you know, harmonious as an individual. And I think that's so very important. So I'm very glad to see where yin yoga is, where it is today, where a lot of the yogis, the uh, who tend to have just a solely yang practice, they are now looking into practices like yin or restorative yoga to complement their yoga practice. And, you know, like you said, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody should just have just one way of practicing yoga. We need to find balance because I, I have a lot of students uh, who only practice yin and nothing but yin. And that to me is not good. <laughs> you know, that is absolutely imbalanced. And they then need to go out, you know, go to power yoga, do ashtanga, do Bikram, you know, do hot yoga and, and find that balance. I think it's just so important. I love that you say
0: that because there is this kind of, assumption in some communities that speak about yoga, that you either are you know uh, into the active form of yoga or you're into the more soft and passive form of yoga, that there aren't these people that um, embody both and that it's one or the other. And that I-, I patently disagree with that. And I think that maybe it's a mature practitioner who is able to say, okay, let me find balance, whether that balance is I want to do, you know, yin yoga and maybe they're doing more young style in their life, like they're doing Zumba classes or running or marathons or something like that. So they really only need the yin aspect from yoga. On the other hand, maybe you have someone that really only wants to do yoga. So then they balance those two elements. I mean, people ask me how I've been able to practice Ashtanga for, you know, more than 20 years, which is a really active form of yoga. But I feel like people don't, I'm starting, I think people start to know now, but I've been sitting Vipassana meditation for that, almost that entire time for more than 20 years. And Like you over the last, uh, like five to seven years, I started to find that integrating more of a yin and restorative practice in addition to the Ashtanga practice helped me kind of bridge the gap between the very, very, very passive, but mentally active meditative state and then the very active Ashtanga state. And then that balance, I think helps prevent injuries. That balance helps, um, you know, create a more uh, stable mental state and. I feel like a question that often comes up when people, uh, you know, like look at a yin class, they're like, "Is it nap time? You know, is everyone just there asleep on a bolster?" So, what are some benefits of the yin practice that you know you could tell that person who's like walking out of Mysore and peering into the room and sees everybody with their eyes closed lying on top of a bolster? Um, what are the benefits of of the yin practice specifically?
1: Well, first of all, I I I want to really um, I want to commend and applaud you for uh, being this uh, uh, teacher who integrates, you know, all the different aspects of yoga, including uh, teaching philosophy, which I know is also uh, your love as well as teen's love and also meditation and also uh, yin. And I know that you've been teaching that and and when you said initially that a lot of, uh, ishtang- uh, not Ashtangis, but in general, yogis who have a stronger practice, they tend not to incorporate the more slower, uh, passive style of practices. And and the reason I think is uh, number one, I think it's got to do with uh, labels, which is why I, I, I tend, I often like to teach my yoga and and not calling it yin but just let's just call it a practice where we come in and we're just stretching in order to remove eggs and pains in the body and it it's so that we can prepare for a more meditative practice where we're working on the heart and the mind. But if we remove all the labels, really everything everything is yoga, right? So I like to Get rid of these labels, you know, doesn't matter whether it's hot yoga or power or yin or restorative. If we don't give it any label, you can do whatever you want without feeling that you're being segregated into any particular group, right? Because it is, it is these segregation or labelings of the brands of yoga that people start to box themselves into a specific category and and that's where they feel that they're being identified. But we don't need such an identification because the human body is meant to be moving and stretching constantly to get rid of any stagnation, aches and pains in the joint. And then once we are free of all these pains in our body, now we can sit quietly in meditation so that now we can begin the inner work of working the mental aspects of the practice. So to find that balance, I think once we remove these labels and students have access to teachers like us, yourself and me, who are role models where we lead by examples, Finding balance in our practice where we're not just practicing or teaching just one particular modality. And then once students see that in us, I guess that also encourages them to try what they have never because they may feel that they're only identified as a single style of um, yogi. So I'm so glad that um, you, yourself, and and, uh, in your studio, you guys are offering uh, yin now, uh, because you you are a great example to show that, you know, I don't just do ashtanga, I have a meditation practice. I do practice yin, and I'm interested in the philosophical aspects of the practice. So we don't want to box ourselves into a single label, you know, that just practice everything that can bring benefit um, to us. I think that will be excellent. Now with regards to sleeping, you know, um, I always make this very bold statement and I tell my students, if any yoga student who are brand new to yin and if they can come into my yin class and they literally fall asleep, I give myself a tap on the shoulder as a teacher that I can make you sleep in my class. Why? Because if we look out into the population right now, there's such a huge percentage of the population who suffer from insomnia, who have difficulty falling asleep. Why? Because we're carrying so much mental stresses, emotional baggages in our life right now with so much happening around us whether it's in our personal life or the environments that we're in, that we're we're being bombarded by these external stimuli that our yoga mat really is our retreat, a sanctuary where we can just come in, where we can just do nothing, at least in the yin practice. Now, if you can just do nothing and then you just fall over on a bolster and eventually you fall asleep, And for that five minutes, if you can even momentarily let go of the stresses in your life and not feel that you are inadequate or you have to fulfill any responsibilities in your life that may be bothering you, I think you've done yourself a great favor and that your teacher has done a great job. So I'm a big fan of being a yoga teacher who encourages people to, if you need to fall asleep in my class, go ahead. I literally, you know, I literally, in, when I was uh, teaching public classes in Singapore, I had so many students who would carry, you know, those IKEA, the blue IKEA bag that was so big. And they would put all their bolsters and props and blankets in there. And they would come into class with that big luggage. I call it the yin nest. And they literally just set up the nest On their mat with their duvet cover and lavender eye pillow and just getting ready to sleep. Some of them in my 90 minutes yin class, they didn't even bother. They didn't even bother to want to do any of the poses because all they wanted is to work on the mental and emotional aspects of the practice. And that to me is yoga because our perception of coming to a yoga class is that I must always feel some stretch. Well, that's correct, but this is only part of the equation of how we define yoga, right? It's just asana. Well, asana could be your goal, your motivation of why you're in a yin class today. But I have so many students who will come to yin, not because they're looking for stretching. I'm here to let go of all the troubles and problems in my life, and I just want to be quiet. I just want to be in a space where I am supported and nurtured by the guidance of my teacher and in the company of like-minded yogis. And I just want to rest because we never know the background of all these people who come into yoga classes. They could be homeless or they could be staying in families or situations where they just absolutely could never have peace in their life when they're back at home. And the only time when they have peace in their life is when they come into the yin class and they're so quiet. And maybe at that moment, they decided that I'm not gonna look for any stretch. I just want to de-stress and I just need quiet. I'm just gonna lie down quietly. And I say to my teachers all the time, hey, if you wanna pay me $20, just come to my class and sleep, go ahead. You know, and I'm going to support that because I know that that twenty dollars worth of sleep is going to be so nourishing for you, right? Vitamin sleep. So, uh, in in our upcoming teacher training, I will be going through you know uh, the different aspects of Yin that is beyond physical and why, as a Yin teacher, you would want to encourage your student to be able to have a practice where you can come into that nourishes you in ways that is beyond physical, the physical aspect of yoga, Uh, which I think, like you said earlier on, this will eventually be the goal of a lot of yogis who are more advanced practitioners, because usually beginners, they are more physically oriented. So they identify mainly with stretching, which is normal. (laughs) You know, in my, my first class, I was attracted to the asana as well. But as we become more advanced in our practice and like, like you said, you know, you're now that nowadays you're more interested in teaching philosophy or meditation or the more higher aspects of yoga, call it the Raja yoga. Yeah.
0: So do you feel that maybe yin is gaining popularity uh, because many people, well, I feel like there's two aspects and, and maybe you can speak to that, but I feel like. During the pandemic, life was very difficult for many people. Everyone lived with so much uncertainty. There was so much um, kind of general fear and anxiety. There were health issues that were coming up and just uncertainty about what was going on in the world. And there were so many changes day to day that many people lost their really active practices. And they just felt like, I can't show up and jump through anymore. I can't show up and work handstands anymore. And they either. um, So I talked to some people that really haven't come back to their practice yet at all. And then other people that said, I just need to do more of a restorative, more of a gentle practice because life was so difficult. Um, And, and so I feel like, do you notice that as well? Do you feel that there's some correlation between, you know, the people recognizing the difficulty and the adversity of, of life situations, and then seeking that Sort of yin balance to the very young aspects of actually the stresses of living modern life. Uh, do you feel like that is part of why yin is gaining in popularity?
1: Um, that's that's a very good observation. I the pandemic definitely um, exposed the vulnerabilities of um, perhaps the imbalance in a lot of our lives and uh, what we are unconsciously deprived of that we had never previously attended to because prior to the pandemic, we were all just busy <laughs> attending to, um, you know, all sorts of responsibilities of our life and the pandemic just forced us to slow down just literally overnight. And I I I, I don't want to say that I think yin is now more popular. I think yin would have been um, receptive to many people a long time ago, had there been access to it no one knew, like given even for myself, including yourself, perhaps, you know, 20 years ago, no one knew that I was never told that, oh, if I do my sitting postures, I could stay here for five to 10 minutes, right? I had never practiced this way or been guided this way, but who is to set the rule anyway, right? We just never been exposed to that. So when my teacher Paul Greeley started to teach the sitting postures in this way, and now we call it yin, then all of a sudden people discover that, oh, I could actually hold postures for so much longer. And and it is only when we literally stay there and wait to marinate in the deep stretches, that's when we now become more, I would say, aware and conscious of the workings of the mind. Because that's when we realize that, oh my God, my mind is busy. And I tell students, you know what? No, your mind isn't busy only right now when you're doing yin. Our mind has always been busy. The only difference is we have never paid attention to it because we're getting distracted with quickly moving from one posture to the next in the other styles of yoga, right? But in yin, where we are forced to stay and observe what's happening, because we're not allowed to move, you stay there for five minutes, that's when you now have this awareness that my mind is busy. Well, your mind has always been busy. You just didn't have the awareness before. That's about it. So this is one of the great benefits of yin is it heightens our deeper awareness of who we actually are and what are all, all the different components that make up who I am today, and that includes my mental stresses or whatever emotional baggages that I may be suppressing from within. And one of the beauty of yoga, not just yin, I think all styles of yoga, is that it heightens our attention level. We call it awareness in yoga, right? We become more aware, we're paying attention because yoga is about coming in, right? Whereas everything about the outside world is taking us out. That's why we come into our mat so that we learn to come in, and then with all the practices that we learn on the mat, hopefully we can Im- incorporate these practices in our life that we're constantly coming in to revisit. You know uh, what's really happening, and why is my mind busy? So I I I don't think that um, D N S popular because it's a new style of yoga it just never existed in ways where we had access to it or knew that we could practice yoga in this method where we hold postures for much a long time but now because so many teachers have been trained so I would I would attribute the popularity to accessibility Mm -hmm. so there are more yin teachers teaching now so then more students have access to this type of practice right? I wouldn't say that, oh, it is better or it's more popular than the other styles of yoga because it's better. No, it's not better. It's not more superior. It is just a balanced complement to the other styles of um, yoga. saw. So. it's just more accessibility. And, and obviously with the pandemic, I think all of us uh, realized that, yeah, we do need to slow down our life and uh, I I guess this is one of the good thing that came out of the pandemic is that a lot of us finally had rest you know like especially yourself you and me where we are full-time teachers all of a sudden for three years you know we are homebound and we begin to appreciate um, all the goodness of just simply uh, slowing down and uh, which is one of the basic important tenets of the Yin practice is let's just slow down in our yoga practice. Not that it's better or more superior, but it's just different way of practicing. Let's slow down and let's begin to investigate what we can observe when we slow down. So we learn that in our Yin practice, and then hopefully we can take that and translate into our daily living. That if I begin to slow down all aspects of my life, what would it have been become? From me, um so i I'm very appreciative of uh, the times uh, where you know you, you more yogis are are now practicing yin and obviously the pandemic, they also probably have more access to it and um, getting opportunity to experience. and i I am so uh, happy, but also um incredibly grateful uh, for uh, Miami um. Yoga Garage is that the name of your uh, studio Miami Yoga Garage. Yeah, I'm so grateful for your studio to invite me over. Uh, it is just a testament of you know because you guys are obviously known as the Ashtanga yoga center out there and just for you to you know have me over and then um you know incorporating yin as a major uh, practice and event into an Ashtanga studio it just again you know um it's, it's, it's a, a good model, a, a role model for all the yoga communities out there that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you are a hot yoga studio or an ashtanga studio or a power yoga studio. But at the end of the day, all your students, your practitioners, they need to find a balance in their practice, which is why I I, I love to remove labels that let's just call it yoga, <laughs> you know.
0: I love this idea of removing the labels from it because this is something that I found. Um, you know, years ago I started to try to bridge that gap between um, my meditation practice, my you know rigorous Ashtanga practice, and I found that you know staying for a long time in some asanas was very beneficial um, from a flexibility perspective, but also just from a, a mental and emotional perspective. Because even though I have a really dedicated sitting practice. In daily life, there's only like I, I try to do the, you know, traditional one hour sits, but beyond that, I feel it's difficult to sit for longer than that outside of a retreat setting. But if I can use a long sit practice and then some more gentle poses, then I can sort of maintain that meditative state a little bit longer and then come into a more active practice. Um, so I started years ago actually teaching something like that, and I called it yin and I got in trouble in the Ashtanga world. You know, people were saying, oh, you are not a real Ashtangi and maybe you should not be, you know, in the tradition anymore and this sort of thing. But then uh, what was sort of really misunderstood is that if we look at the traditional Ashtanga method, it's not taught in these lead classes where everybody's doing the same thing at the same time and the same pace. This is something that, You know, uh, Patabi Joyce and his grandson, Sharat Joyce, have introduced really uh, when the popularity started to increase. And then there were many, many students to teach them the count and teach them the method. And it's wonderful to do the lead class. But the very traditional Ashtanga method is actually each one student has one practice that is coordinated with the teacher. And Patabi Joyce used to have people hold certain poses for a long, long time. And he would say therapeutic benefits were there for long holds in various asanas. And he would determine that really, you know, one-on-one. And so, for example, he recommended to hold, say, Bhadakonasana for, he said, 50 breaths, 100 breaths, no problems. So then we end up with something like this, you know, three-minute, five-minute, even longer experience. And then, and that's something that often gets missed in the Ashtanga Yoga world. And something that I feel that, um, you know, Patapi Joyce really took with him when he passed away is that, subtlety, that nuance of, oh, well, gosh, um, maybe it is possible in a a traditional practice room to have one person doing, you know, vigorous handstands, and then the next person doing a long hold in Bhagakonasana. And that's still within the same universe of yoga. And and, And I think that's something we miss when we start labeling, oh, well, this is yin, and it's over here, and this is ashtanga, and it's like that, and it's over here. And, you know, when we start to think of what it isn't rather than being inclusive and saying, okay, well, everybody come in and, and, and and sort of be willing to listen to figure out what it is that's right for you day by day. Right. Um, which puts a responsibility and the agency back on the student again. So it's wait, this is your practice. Do you need more of a active practice today? Or do you need something that's softer today? So um, Joe, I'm wondering in the upcoming training, if, uh, you know, if it's available for students and teachers alike, and if someone that say they've never done a yin class before, but they're really, really curious, are they welcome in the training as well? If someone's a, you know, if someone's practicing or teaching a really dynamic form of yoga and they've never done a yin class, but now they're interested, are they welcome? So what, like who's, who is welcome in the training and what kinds of things will you go over benefits for a student who's not interested in, in, in teaching ever? And what benefits will be there in the training for, for teachers that are maybe interested in expanding their repertoire of what constitutes yoga?
1: Well, this upcoming training, both in Miami in person and also online, for those of you who cannot be in Miami with us, um, is is an excellent introduction to Yin yoga is taught to me by the founder, my teacher, uh, Paul Greeley. And because Paul doesn't um, teach the physical aspect uh, of this um, training anymore, and like what we discussed earlier now, you know, as, as he becomes more advanced, both as a teacher and also um, as a practitioner himself, he's focusing the next phase of his life, just teaching, philosophy, and meditation. So the senior teachers like ourselves are going out, spreading his word. So in this upcoming training, you are going to teach Yin as taught in his method, and you are going to learn the nuances of this practice that are often less less spoken of in a lot of Yin yoga classes, either because um, a lot of teachers may not have access to this kind of method of teaching, or uh, because they have never been exposed or had the opportunity to acquire such knowledge. So I will be sharing these um, teachings of Paul's in the 25-hour training that we're coming up next month, that we're having next month. And a lot of people, you know, I need to say a lot of people, who are either lovers of yin and they're not yoga teachers, they often come attend my trainings just because they they, they now wanted to understand it in a more cerebral way. So they have the um, experiential um, embracement into the body. They can embody the practice through experience, but now they want to fully investigate and understand But what is the science behind uh, the benefits of why we would hold postures for five minutes compared to five breaths? What are the differences and what are some of the advantages and maybe disadvantages of practicing for so long? And some of people who are already teachers, they may be interested to know what are there any dangers of doing passive stretches for too long a time? Is there a time limit? How long you should be holding and how long you should not be holding. So I will be going through, um, all these explanations from a more scientific uh, perspective, um, in the upcoming, uh, training. So it's definitely open to, uh, people who are including people who are brand new to yin. If you had never even practiced a, a yin, uh, posture before, this will be a good introduction, uh, for you because I'm, I'm going to go uh, straight into all the basics of yin and the good news is even though it's a three-day training we have the morning afternoon session every day and then you get a total of six yin practices with me where you will be exposed not Uh, just to all the yin yoga postures that you're going to learn, but you will also be exposed to six different uh, sequences of yin. Because often the perception is, oh, yin is so boring. It's always the same thing. We're always doing the same thing. And I would always tell my students and people who are studying with me, they go like, no, yin is so interesting. There are hundreds of ways to sequence a yin class that can be so interesting to your own practice. And all these will be taught um, to, to, to teachers who are interested in teaching this style of yoga and and I I you know and because my background was actually an ashtangi and I was initially when when I first taught yin like literally like ninety five percent of my students were ashtangis <laughs> you know they were ashtangis coming into my yin practice and over time they just fell in love with yin and then the ashtanga and the yin yoga became. Pivotal to their entire um, yoga practice on a daily basis. They would do their ashtanga in the morning, and then in the afternoon they will come back, and then they would finish off with the yin practice, or sometimes they would just um, alternate their yoga practice. So, like like we discussed earlier, on you know, if we remove all the labels, it doesn't have to be either or, because at the end of the day, like what you said earlier, you know, what if we practice ashtanga yoga and some people could be doing something so strong and then as a teacher i identify that for this particular student maybe I, maybe i need to give this student somewhat like a more yin like postures because that's what they need for their body right now so we should be practicing what suits our need at that moment instead of coming onto our mat and practicing something just because you feel that you identify within a certain group or crowd. So we remove the labels. We should be practicing what benefits us. And what benefits us changes every day, right? Your downward dog every day is different. The downward dog today is different from yesterday. And I know it's going to be a different downward dog tomorrow because our body changes. How we feel changes, right? My mental mood, my emotional state of mind is different from day to day. So does my yoga practice. So we need to then alter how we practice, whether it's yin or yang, to suit and balance how we feel that day. And that to me is when you truly master the essence of yoga, you really understand that it is trying to bring yourself into this equanimous state where you're not troubled by what is disturbing you in your external environment and that you're utilizing your yoga practice, the knowledge you gain from both yin and yang to be able to balance it so that you can come out of that state Sometimes it could be an anxiety state, it could be a depressive state, it could be an anger state, whatever it is for you. Use a yoga practice to balance that. There's a
0: question from um, some of the students who are joining the talk, and perhaps um, it's a practical question. And this question says, um, the student is asking if it's possible to ever um, incorporate a yin and a yang practice in one session or if they always have to be separated or if you have to do the yin first and then the yang or if you can flip it and do the yang first and then the yin like if you could do your ashtanga practice and then do some yin at the end or flip it and do some yin at the beginning and then do your more rigorous kind of you know flow practice so what are the what are the guidelines on that?
1: Um, okay. Well, give me a second. I'm running out of battery Just want to make sure that I'm plugged
0: in. I actually had the same thing, which I had to yeah. go and find a place where the computer could be plugged in. Um, and I...
1: Yeah, uh, that was a again. really good question. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes to everything. You can absolutely combine yin and yang together, which, you know, which we are already doing. That's why I say remove the labels we are already doing that in an Ashtanga practice, in a Hatha yoga practice, in a Power yoga practice. We stand up, we do all the standing postures, Yang, and then we come down to the floor, we do the sitting postures, that's Yin. So all of you are already combining Yin and Yang into it. And, you know, if you happen to be somebody who maybe for today, you only want to practice sitting postures, then you go into a Yin class. That's when it's just solely yin. But there are days when I will feel the opposite, right? If I'm feeling so sluggish today and just really so lazy, then maybe I would make a decision that today I'm just going to do my Ashtanga today. I just want to do something strong and do standing postures. And maybe I won't be finishing with my sitting postures. Because there are days when I would do that in my Ashtanga practice too. When I'm feeling really dull and I feel like I need this boost of energy, I would just do a lot of um, standing postures and do all my inversions and I would finish the practice without doing floor postures. So you can absolutely pres- practice them together or in isolation. And the second question, should we do yin before or after a practice? And this is what we will go through in the teacher training too. Again, that's a good a scientific physiological reason why someone may want to do it before and why someone may want to do it after. There's no right or wrong, better or worse. The answer is it depends. It depends on who it is and some of the physiological factors that I'm going to be discussing um, in the training, which requires me to give you a long lecture. So it's not something that um, I'm, I'm going to you know um be able to give you a satisfied answer it won't do justice to the explanation but the short answer is yes you can do yin before a yang practice and you can do it after because for for so many years I would um when when I was first uh, starting to teach yin, remember I was an Ashtanga teacher, so I would teach my Ashtanga, I would still teach my Ashtanga-led class, and then the the next class that I'm teaching will be a yin class, so all my Ashtangis would stay back after class and practice yin with me, but in the schedule, I had deliberately at times put yin before Ashtanga, so that they experienced both, And I want students to experience both. Why? Because there are certain individuals, depending on their body type. Some people need the yin before, it's better for them. And for some people, the yin after will be better for them. Everyone is so different. So there's no perfect one rule answer that caters to everyone. Every student who walks into the classroom, they are very different. For some some people, a certain method will be preferable. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: I think that's a great answer. And it also encourages people that are you know, curious to really join the training and dive into that deeper exploration. So we've been talking about, you know, no labels, no labels. And there's a question about labels, um, (laughs) which is, I think, potentially useful, um, you know, because you see on a schedule gentle yoga, you see on a schedule restorative, you see on a schedule like light hatha, you see relaxation, you see yin, and you see therapy, so are these the question is sort of like, are these all the same? Do they all blend together? Um, and if they're all the same and this is a more say therapeutic approach to the practice, does this make um does this make the, you know, the the the, the whether we call restorative yin um, therapeutics, is it make it more accessible to people with injuries? Um, Older people or people that might need the assistance of um, various props to be able to actually take some benefit from the yoga practice at all.
1: Well, when, when we spoke about, you know, removing labels, we're really early on uh, speaking in the context of let us not box ourselves into a specific category and think that we should only practice in a certain way. But obviously labels are necessary and they're helpful for us to know what we are walking into. You know, kind of like if I'm going to the restroom, I do want to know if I'm going to male or female. I don't want I don't want the restroom to not have labels and I have no idea where I'm walking into. So it's the same with my yoga classes. You know, it's good to have the studio labeling that this is restorative, this is yin, this is gentle so that when I'm in the class, I know that I make the conscious decision that for today, the next 90 minutes, This is what I want to give to my body. And that's what the labels are for. That's about it. And, you know, with regards to all the different styles of yoga, especially the more passive styles of yoga, like yin, restorative, gentle yoga therapy, we're often being asked um, what are all the differences Well, first of all, you know, uh, that's the problem with labels is that when you give a label to something, the interpretation of the label is subject to whoever is labeling it, (laughs) right? So whoever labels that style of yoga, they have in their mind that this is how they're going to teach it. And it's possible that you're going to attend a yin class or a gentle class in Miami today that tomorrow when you come to Singapore, the same label it's going to be a different style of yoga or different ways that the teacher are teaching. So we, we can't, nobody is to say or is the authority to say that this is how yin is going to be taught, this is how gentle is going to be called, gentle yoga, this is yoga therapy. In general, we have roughly a vague idea of what we think all these labels are going to offer to us. But know that at the end of the day, when you walk into the class, every teacher will have their own interpretation of what they think that style of yoga is, <laughs> whatever that they're going to teach. And then that will be what they will be offering you. So I'm not even somebody who is authoritative enough to tell you that this is how yin yoga should be taught, this is how you know, restorative yoga should be taught because you're going to go around the world and you're, you're going to experience all kinds of yin yoga. And I trust, trust me, I've been to many yin classes. I travel so much and I've seen all kinds of yin styles being taught and I don't judge. I don't judge. And honestly, I don't care because I walk in there. I do have an expectation of what yin is, but once I'm in there, I'm just going to go with the flow. If this is how the teacher is going to teach it, then this is how I will have the experience today. If I like it, I will go back tomorrow. If I don't like that class, then guess what? Maybe this particular yin label is not a kind of class that I like. Then you go seek out another yin teacher and find the one that uh, whom you resonate better with. So, because you know, nothing is truly regulated. In the field of yoga, as you know, uh, kino. So um, a lot of teachers, you know, even in terms of ashtanga, you know, you're going to get a wide variety of ashtanga teachers teaching ashtanga very differently, even though it is a set sequence. And you know, uh, but still, a lot of teachers teach it very differently. So it is no different in yin or restorative for that. Uh, So I I don't, uh, you know, and it is not in my position or anybody's position to judge uh, who is teaching. Ashtanga correctly or yin correctly or restorative yoga. You know, to me, I think every yoga teacher on this planet is trying their best to offer the best class that they can um, give to the student every time the student walks into the room. And um, the only difference uh, between the teacher-student experience and relationship will be, is this uh, what you love as a student when you walk into the class? If it is, then stay with the teacher and come back every day. If not, find someone else who will be your next teacher.
0: (laughs) I really love that. And again, just bringing it back to empowering the student to really take the decision of saying, Regardless of the label, this is the practice that's working for me. Um, Joe, I have to warn you about our bathrooms here at the yoga garage. We have a um you <laughs> See what know, no Yeah, we have a we have a, a gender all inclusive bathroom. So we, you literally don't know what you get when you walk in. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, good. but I will say that the label, even that helps. So you're prepared. You know, there may be okay. all genders walking in or out. You know, I was in a yeah. I was in the airport in Sweden and there wasn't a label. I would just said bathroom. So I walked in and then out of the stall that I was going in came this giant Swedish man. And I was a little bit like, oh, oh, right. It's Sweden. It's um, all genders in the bathroom. They're <laughs> <Gender So>, free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the experience. Like You don't want to walk into a class that's labeled power yoga. And then they're like, go yeah. get your yin nest and bring it over. And then, you know, they're good and they dim the lights and there's this like relaxing mood because you signed up for the, you know, power experience. So that's, that's important to kind of call out to the best of your ability, the experience that you're delivering without necessarily saying it only always has to be like this. It's like, look, this was my intention. This is what we're doing in this space. So let's call it that. And I think that's, that that's super important. Um, I think maybe like the last question and then um, we will leave people with a lot of um hopefully inspiration to join the training and to learn more and to open their minds to creating that balance and removing the labels and the dichotomies and the either or so that we can move into a space of kind of both and and true inclusivity in our minds and in our hearts um is to um kind of ask the question of where you see the thread of yoga and the thread of yin kind of going in the future you know do you see it evolving because i know and 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 i'm part of a tradition too and i love how you talk about your teacher and how you know he taught it in this particular way and then now you're here and you're carrying that through and yet traditions are alive and living so kind of like where's the thread of, of of the of the yin lineage as you've received it, how it's living and breathing through you, and where do you see it going in the future as it continues to evolve and kind of take shape?
1: Well, um, uh, first of all, I, I need to uh, pass the baton back to you too. And one of the things that I really respect you a lot too, Kino, is that uh, you are also very much into tradition and uh, respecting your lineage. And I know how much you... Um, uh, follow the teachings of your teacher and that uh, I know you recently had Sharad in uh, Miami right yeah and um and I think I think you know I I don't think um I think it's important that we all have teachers uh that can be our models and our in a way spiritual guide uh for every student to have a place where we begin but just as we've Every student of any modality, we all continue to grow and evolve on our own outside of our teachers eventually. And someday we will and we should deviate uh, from their original teachings and find something that we think uh, can be more beneficial uh to not just our practice but also to our offerings as teachers to our communities and even though you know I honor and I teach um the work of my teacher Paul Greeley uh I over the years have uh, evolved in my own Education and study of yoga that I have um, created and incorporated many different other healing modalities into yin yoga. You know, just like I uh, put into the acupressure uh, that I learned separately from my teacher, I added into the yin practice. I uh, studied myofascial release and I added into the yin practice. Uh, So there are many. And I think that is the future of yoga. And I'm seeing that not just uh, within yin, but also in, uh, you know, all the other styles of yoga. I've seen a lot of teachers incorporating more functional movement, more healing therapeutic uh, practices into the domain of yoga, which I think is excellent. Which, again, you know, brings us back to the topic of labeling that Uh, It doesn't matter that I consider myself a yogi or that I identify myself as a yoga teacher, but anything, anything that can heal us, that can benefit us in so many different ways to become a healthier person, I think we should embrace that into our life. So hopefully, you know, um, all the yogis, you know, in the years moving forward, they will continue to um, embrace all these other practices um, that may not necessarily be just uh, yoga. Like I do a lot. I I I just started learning gymnastics during a pandemic, you know. You learn gymnastics when you're 15, not when you're 45, you know. So, but I find that so complementary to my yoga practice. And I go do Zumba I do Zumba because in yoga, I don't have to memorize anything or do any choreography. So it doesn't work my brain that way. That's why I love Zumba and I force myself to go Zumba because I need, I need that neurogenesis for my brain as I get older. And I find that that's what my yoga couldn't offer to me. So I think we should start embracing, you know, I'm even thinking, how can I combine my yoga with Zumba? So, you know, um, I think moving forward and, and I'm already seeing that in a lot of yoga practitioners and I and, and I and somebody just sent a text and talk about the idea of freedom. Absolutely, Oksana, exactly what you just said. I'm going to uh, borrow your word. The idea of freedom is be free from what you think makes you a practitioner. So you don't have to be just a yoga yeah practitioner. I think we should all be movement practitioner and we should all be practitioners of any healing methods, anything that can bring wellness to your body. We should all um, attempt to practice them and incorporate them into our life.
0: So oh, I love that. I think it's really, really wonderful. And I think, um, you know, if we take a look at what the word yoga is, you know, it's like yoga is a spiritual seeker. So the tools we often focus on, oh, well, it's this tool or that tool or this tool. And we can lose sight of, wait a minute, we're using these tools to expand our consciousness, to open our minds. And that that's really the essence of the practice. So I like the idea of you know the body as a tool and movement as a tool, spiritual seeking as a tool, philosophy as a tool, all of these different things. And um, you just embody that uh, spirit of, of, of the journey so, so well. And I just, again, want to invite everyone who's interested in diving more deeply with you that they can find you here in Miami in person um, from July 13th to July 15th for your 25-hour yin yoga teacher training. And if you're not in Miami, but you still want to do the training, it'll be available online. And it's a wonderful opportunity. Everything that we've talked about over this last hour is just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of the depth information that you'll be giving everyone. So in the meanwhile, Joe, where can people find you um, maybe online or on Instagram if you want to share a little bit of that, if they want to kind of stay in touch with you in the meanwhile?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess Instagram is the best place. Jofi Yin Yoga, um, that will be the best place. If you have any question on the upcoming training, feel free to send me a DM and I'll be happy to uh, answer any other further questions that you have that may not be addressed um in this hour uh podcast that we have together but otherwise um, um thank you all for attending and listening into this podcast and thank you kino for having me and inviting me over i so look forward um to meeting uh all your students over there in miami and to the rest of you i'm excited to see you guys online too
0: We look forward to having you. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye.
0: Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, Ohm Stars. And that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14 day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime.